Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Living Sports Podcast. Getting this thing rolling again here in 2021 after a lot of hiccups in 2020 because of the, the pandemic, not being able to land some guests. Uh, happy to have another great Durango cycling guest today and Sam Vickery, fresh off a 350-mile effort at Unbound Gravel in Kansas. Sam, Kansas. welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you. Happy to be here, man. I mean, shoot, dude, you're like four days removed from this massive effort. How, how are you feeling? <laughs> Not too bad, honestly. Um, I think like the biggest thing has been just catching back up on sleep, um, but body's feeling pretty good. I've been hitting Durango chiropractic pretty much every day since and getting straightened back out. So went for a little ride yesterday and actually felt pretty good. So yeah, coming back around. What's the, like, what part of the body feels the worst on a day that long in the saddle? Um, I mean, besides your, your taint, you know, um, my, my, the palms, of my hands were bruised. I had like numb feet, um, and just being bent over that long, um, like 26 hours or so neck and back, everything is, is screaming by the end. So probably my, my hands were like the most sore thing by the end of the into the race just like position holding on to the handlebars rough gravel um yeah so sam i mean tell us a little bit about uh, just the the race and kind of what made you want to take it on this year for sure yeah um unbound gravel is kind of the the big daddy of gravel races these days and the the 200 mile is the marquee event of the weekend but they also have um the XL unbound XL, which is 357 miles. Um, and the main difference between the 200 and the, the XL besides the distance is that the XL is self-supported. So you're not allowed to have, um, like a support crew or take any outside assistance. It has to be, um, you can only use like commercial services. So that means we're resupplying it gas stations and stores and water spigots along the route. Um, and those were about, you know, 70 to a hundred miles apart. I saw um, you looking pretty shredded in a picture at a gas station, <laughs> I think in the middle of the night, like, yeah. do the clerks have any idea what's going on and like no to prepare for this? Or are they looking at you like, what the hell is Man, this guy doing? I think the clerks have a heads up because the race, the race does like coordinate the, the gas stations to stay open long enough for us. But Man, they're like you're in the middle of Kansas, and there's some some good old boys in there looking at you, <laughs> rolling in super dirty in your your spandex kit. Like, what are these people doing out here? You're like in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty funny. So, um, but yeah, I, I was just uh, ever since this race, the XL started in 2018, and um, just for some reason, have always been really intrigued by the distance, the adventure, and the the self-supported ethos and um, wanted to do it in 2020 the race was canceled um and yeah i finally got the chance chance this year so just was was up for a big challenge and and a big adventure you were i mean obviously rolling top 10 the entire way mm -hmm. um but in a race like that is it not even so much the result as much as like hey i finished this thing and i got out of there like you know no cuts no scrapes yeah stuff like that yeah absolutely i mean it's it's super naive in my opinion to go into a race like that thinking about a result you know i mean it's just you versus the course and 
keeping your bike together and everything like that. And yeah, goal number one is to finish. And that was 100% what I was after going into the thing. What's worse riding through the night, uh, along out there or in the middle of the day when it's, you know, that humid and that hot. Yeah. I thought the the day was worse. Like the heat and the, just the sun beating down on you, you're going through like a lot more fluids and things like that. The night was when I rode the best. It just it cooled off. Like you're kind of in this, this really cool headspace with the, with your lights on. It's like kind of all you can see is the road in front of you. Um, and it was just really cool. Like a bunch of animals and stuff out there. Um, I loved riding through the night and then, yeah, once the sun came up was when I kind of started to hit a wall that second day. So nighttime was great. I love asking people when they're on these big, like ultra adventures, like what animals they saw, like what did, what did you run into? <laughs> I saw a bunch of snakes. I saw a snake that was literally like the, the width of the road. It was the biggest snake I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, a bunch of deer, like raccoons, um, some birds, the, the raccoons I kept in my head being like, Oh, that's, that's like a cougar. That's That thing's going to get me, but it's, it's always just a raccoon. So yeah, some skunks. It, it was pretty cool. Um, I think like people think of Kansas as like flat and desolate, but, uh, Eastern Kansas where we were is, is like green and hilly and it's, it's really beautiful country and a lot of wildlife out there. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're rolling through the hills. Just uh, tell me a little bit about that that part of Kansas. I mean, as a Colorado guy, I'm so mm-hmm. you know familiar with like kind of West Kansas a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, just that like kind of desolate feeling. But uh, tell me a little bit more about you know the areas that the course rolls through. Yeah, I was blown away when we even just driving into Emporia where the race starts. Um, you're, you're just like among these like beautiful green this beautiful green prairie and rolling hills. Um, and yeah, getting out there, it was just like kind of mind blowing. Like I had never been in that area before and yeah, to just see that this, like this green vast area, it's like completely different from Colorado, but you know, equally as beautiful. Um, and certainly one of the most beautiful places I've, I've had the opportunity to ride. So it was awesome. Take me a little bit through the nutrition side of things. How do you fuel up before the effort? Um, just a lot of, you know, carbo loading, things like that. It was like, you know, rice every meal for three or four days before and then rice for breakfast, rice and eggs for breakfast. Um, but yeah, basically just getting as many carbs into the body as you can. Um, and then from the start of the race to the first resupply is kind of the only nutrition on the ride that you can control. So I just made sure to kind of take as much as I could of what I knew would be good for me and, and what would be healthy um, until I ran out and had to resort to eating food from, from a gas station for 200 miles. So are you like on the gel diet for the first, you know, 50 miles or so? No, absolutely not. I, I try to avoid the, the gel diet as much as I can and, uh, stick to more real food. I had, um, I had like a banana in my, in my pack, some beef jerky, uh, peanut butter pretzels, some cookies, like good stuff that you, that you want to eat, not like gels and, um, a bunch of kind of stuff like that that's going to, make your stomach turn. Yeah. Yeah. 
gas station, I mean, what are we going for here? Like hot dogs or are we just looking for more Man. packs of the jerky? Yeah, it, it kind of depends. It's like your palate changes so much um, through that kind of effort. And it just it just depends. Like I was I was going through a lot of like the, you know, packaged uh, cinnamon rolls. I was just like really, really digging those. Yeah. Um, sour cream and cheddar chips were like really calling my name. Um, the last stop I got two burgers like those gross gas station burgers and like I swear those are the best cheeseburgers I've ever had just I don't know what it is about a gas station hot dog but I have some friends that'll like you know go vegan for like long stretches and what breaks them will be a gas station station hot dog at like Maverick and Moab or so good (laughs) so good dude the the jalapeno cheddar one yeah yeah I'm I'm a sucker so (laughs) Um, shoot, man. I mean, when you're done with an effort like that, are you like immediately like wanting to eat or are you just like, I need to sleep for 24 hours? It was the end of the race was really funny. It was like this huge push to the finish and like, you don't realize how like blown you are. And like, it was pretty much immediately when I crossed the finish line that it was like, yeah, like body is shutting down. I need to sleep. Um, luckily I had my roommate, Steven devoused there with me. Um, and yeah, I'm so happy he was there. He, he was at the end, like with a sandwich and fries and some beer and yeah, I sat down on the grass and like ate, and then it was just like back to the Airbnb and nap immediately. So Devouse is just the best for that kind of stuff. He, I feel he like. is like, he, he was just Johnny on the spot, you know, he's pro racer himself and gets the treatment but when it's time for him to support one of his buddies it's you know it was awesome so i'm really happy he was there he was really good moral support through the weekend and just like no one better to have uh positive vibes going into something like that before and after I think I saw you a week before at the Iron Horse mm-hmm. mountain bike race uh, when when Steven won for yeah. the second consecutive yeah. time at the Iron Horse. Um, for you, being uh, close with, with Steven, just uh, you know, how pumped were you to, to see him hold off a guy like Riley Amos, who's riding Man. so well right now, and yeah. obviously Howie was back. Um, totally. Just how much fun was it with, with Davis? That was, like, amazing. Um, we're close, and I know the work that Steve's been putting in lately and just to see him have these successes and um start to believe in himself like like he has been is is awesome so um i think the rest of the season for him is going to be incredible i mean obviously he's on super super good form um if he can go head to head with someone like like riley who's also a freaking awesome person and great rider so um yeah I'm, i'm stoked they're headed to Vail for gopro games this weekend and um I'm excited to see what, what he'll do. How fun is it right now in the bike community? I mean, I think I saw a post from Ryan Standish who took on, I believe, the 200-mile yeah, at, at 200. Unbound. Uh, obviously, a Fort Lewis uh, alum as well. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, you know, he was just raving about how much he just kind of loves this, the small bike community. And I feel like the the bike community at whole is so big because there's so many. I mean, there's the cyclocross community. There's mm-hmm. the cross-country mountain bike community. But... It seems like this gravel, I mean, it brings together road riders, mountain bikers, cyclocross folks. Um, and then, you know, especially coming off a week before at, in the hometown mm-hmm. uh, at the Iron Horse Bicycle Classic here. Just how fun is it in the bike community right now? Just being back together, being at events after a year of everything being canceled. 
It's so fantastic. Like I, I always tell people that I, I don't race bikes or anything for to, to be a bike racer. It's for the people in the community. And, um, to go a year without that was tough. Like that's our friend group, our, our support group and who we like to be around. So finally to have some chances to, to get back around those people and just catch up and, uh, you know, to race has been, um, it means so much and has felt so good. Um, and, and you're right. Like the community is so strong, especially in the, the gravel world right now. It's, it's kind of the culmination of all these different, um, disciplines kind of come together over this one thing. That's kind of this middle ground between everything. Um, so I have friends from cyclocross. I have friends from mountain biking. Um, and the gravel races are actually where I get to see all of those people at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really sweet. Um, you know, what's just kind of your personal feeling, maybe the, you know, first 48 hours away from the event and mm-hmm. just, um, do you get a sense of, of what you were able to accomplish out there? Um, but before or after the event? After. So. Oh, um, it, I mean, it's still like surprising, you know, you, it's so much self doubt and just uncertainty going into it. Like the, the mile mileage is, is daunting. Um, and yeah, it's immediately crossing the finish line. It's like this overwhelming sense of accomplishment and to have a couple of days to kind of reflect back on it and everything that occurred throughout and just how cool it is and how sweet it was to just be out there and to make it to the finish line is yeah, it's overwhelming really. I think uh, it was Standish again who I was reading a, a post uh, from him on Instagram where he's talking about, you know, over the course of the 200 miles he was on, you're contemplating everything about, like, why humans exist to, like, <laughs> loving the human experience to just, like, kind of everything. I mean, where does your brain go? I mean, do you have moments of these kind of just, like, loopy thoughts or is it, like, you know, kind of existential, like, thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- where does your head space go? I mean, I'm sure it's a huge range during a, a day like that, but what was on your mind? Uh, a lot. Like, um, I don't know, just coming off of, like, pandemic year and kind of going into some some big life choices coming up. Like, it was just really nice actually to have that kind of alone time and just deep mental thought cycle um about everything and yeah you you think about all sorts of weird stuff out there and like i don't know i can't even control (laughs) my brain on like a six hour car ride (laughs) so i can't imagine 26 hours you know on a bike yeah you're like suffering super hard and also like yeah just like thinking about like the cosmos or like ghosts or whatever out there it's it's weird there's all these abandoned buildings uh, like along the route and i was like waiting to see a ghost you know i was like hopefully somebody's definitely been murdered in this yeah there's gotta be a body out here (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's like hopefully i see a ghost out here and that can be i have a ghost story from the race but no ghosts so (laughs) did you have anybody that you were able to ride with pretty consistently um it was kind of on and off. So the, the first, uh, 80 miles or so a group of five of us rolled kind of just right off the front. Um, and yeah, we were, we were hauling. So it was really sweet to share some miles with those guys had a couple good friends that I hadn't talked to 
in a long time in that group and we got to caught up catch up and and ride together which was great um i eventually just let those guys go because they were i just knew i needed to kind of dial it back and settle into my own pace um and was alone for a few hours until it started to get dark um then after the second resupply at mile 118 i believe um i ended up catching jay peterberry and we rode together pretty much the whole night um maybe eight or nine hours up until the point that i flatted and he kept going so um good good to have someone to ride with through the night we didn't really speak to each other too much it was just kind of like head down tapping it out doing somebody else is there yeah at least someone else is there and like we can kind of keep pace with each other um and keep each other awake and and he's he's a real legend of the this ultra style racing so it was it was cool to be um in the presence of someone with that pedigree you know in the night in a in a big ultra so yeah man uh you mentioned the flat any other mechanicals throughout the no other mechanicals yeah i think i got really lucky it's that the hallmark of that race is uh you know known for beating the crap out of bikes and to get away with a really really minor front flat uh i feel super lucky take me through your bike setup uh yeah man it's honestly not too far from my cyclocross bike um I ran 40C tires, front and rear, um, on Easton AX rims. Um, I ran the Easton AX handlebar as well. I was running, was running clip-on aero bars, um, which are super necessary, I think, for a race yeah. of that distance. Um, specialized power saddle, which was super key. It's the most comfortable saddle that I've used in recent years. Um, as far as hydration and nutrition, I had a half frame bag on the top that had a had a liter and a half bladder in it um, and a little bit of space for some food. And then two big bottles uh, that I would kind of keep uh, some drink nutrition in there, some tailwind nutrition in there. Um, but yeah, other than that, pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, it's yeah, just my cyclocross bike with some bags and clip on aero bars more or less. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's so many ways to like go in into these things. And yeah. uh, I always kind of enjoy seeing the, the different approaches people uh, take into these rides and it seems like really it's about like, what can you be most comfortable on exactly the whole way? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, it's the bike I ride pretty much every day. And um, I know the bike and know how it's going to handle and, um, some people were skeptical because, you know, people think that you need to run bigger tires or like need more gears or anything like that, but it's what I was comfortable on. I, I felt like I had plenty of bike, plenty of tire, uh, everything. So yeah, I think the, the bike setup was, was really on point. I was really happy with how everything handled. You're repping a new team this year, local yeah. Durango squad, uh, segment 28. Uh, yep. Tell me a little bit about the squad, who's behind it, uh, sure. and a little bit behind uh, the name. Yeah, so the name is uh, pays homage to the segment 28 of the Colorado Trail, which is from Kennebec Pass down to town here, our hometown segment. Um, and, uh, yeah, Rotem Ishe and myself are – 
kind of heading up this team with the vision of creating and fostering a space for um, young racers, kind of 18 to 25 year old range um, to get some support and kind of make a transition through uh, from the junior ranks through to the pro ranks, uh, maybe something similar to like bear development, um, but, but fostering and supporting that locally. Um, and right now for the racers, we've got uh, Ivan Sippy, Kieran Egan, uh, Guy Lashem, uh, and myself. And then we have a really awesome group of ambassadors that are super helpful. Everybody from um, uh, like we have a web developer all the way through to an accountant um, helping run the team behind the scenes. So really awesome team structure. We've got some really strong riders, um, small squad this year, and we're hoping to uh, double next year. Um, and then we've got some great support from a bunch of local businesses and, uh, we're riding on specialized bikes this year. Love it. So yeah, it's super exciting, man. Yeah. I mean, it, I, what I've loved about the team so far is just like how stoked everybody gets for each other. <laughs> I mean, I saw Ivan Sippy posting stuff about you while you were at unbound. I saw everybody, you know, posting about Ivan when he was at the U S cup this mm -hmm. year, it just seems like everybody's, um, you know, super on board with each other. Obviously the Durango cycling scene, everybody's pretty tight knit and yeah. you know, real supportive of each other for the most part anyway. Um, but is that like the most fun aspect of, of kind of getting a team going here? Uh, definitely. It's just that we're, you know, we're all best friends and, um, like Ivan, I've coached him and known him through Durango Devo since he was maybe 11 or 12, um, and to be teammates with him and kind of see where his career is, is headed is super cool. Yeah. He's taken um, off, right? Yeah. It's, it gives me goosebumps, man. It's, it's super sweet. Um, but yeah, just that everybody can be so close and so tight knit and supportive of each other. I'm flying to Missoula tomorrow, um, just to support those other three guys and help them out with whatever they need at the pro CT up there. Um, yeah, we, we've got each other's backs and that's, that's a really special thing. Rotem, I think uh, I'm trying to get him on the show. I, he took off on a little vacation after yeah, the horse. Well deserved. Out to Mexico. <laughs> well deserved. Um, but man, I talked to so many people about Rotem and what he's mm -hmm. meant to their careers. Not only just you know what, what a great you know athletic trainer and just kind of a mind he has for the human body, but also like kind of spiritually and mentally, it just seems like he's really there and supportive and fosters the growth of cyclists. I mean, to work alongside him. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, w just what's it like being around a, a guy like that? It's so stellar, like to everything you just said. He's so dialed in and so in tune, um, you know, with his athletes that he coaches and also just has the pedigree and experience of all of his years of, of professional cycling and can bring that to the table. And to have someone that is, um, you know, knowledgeable, of the physiological stuff, but also organized and detailed enough to manage a team and make sure that everything runs smoothly. Like that, that is the ideal situation. Um, and Rotem has been my coach for the last two years. Um, and I feel super fortunate to, you know, be, have worked with him and worked with him up until unbound. Um, and the fact that he can, he's got athletes at the world tour level, but he can also kind of 
manage and get the most out of an athlete like myself that's works full time and has other things going on. Um, he's a really talented person and really special person to a lot of people. No doubt. I was going to ask you, you're in this position now of kind of fostering the the growth of some younger cyclists. Mm-hmm. Rotem's obviously uh, probably a clear answer here as well. But, I mean, who are some of the, the cyclists that – or even non-cyclists who yeah. uh, have kind of, you know, fostered your development over the years? Definitely. Uh, you know, my time at, at Fort Lewis College, I, I was on the cycling team all four years. So, you know, an obvious answer is, is Chad and just had his attitude and – learning from him has been incredible and Dave Hagen and um, Elka and everybody that's involved at, in Fort Lewis cycling um, big inspiration and, and big influence on me. Um, but also some of the people we were talking about earlier, like Payson and Ryan and Steven, just like my good friends, like um, being able to be around such great athletes and great characters and great people Um you know, it makes, makes everyone want to be better, including myself. Where did you come to Durango from, uh, before Fort Lewis? Uh, Littleton, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, did you always, was Fort Lewis always kind of on your radar? Um, not really. I, I came and visited, um, and really liked Durango and honestly was completely unaware of the cycling team at Fort Lewis and the, the, cycling culture here um when i made the decision to come to fort lewis and it wasn't until like a little bit later that i was like oh man like this is actually perfect like everybody rides bikes here and there's this great cycling team and things like that um but yeah i I think it's a little bit by chance that i ended up here and i feel so fortunate to have done so yeah yeah what was your time like at Fort Lewis? Um, what are some of your, your top memories from uh, you know, being on, on the Skyhawk cycling team? I mean, all of the, the collegiate trips just every weekend, rolling with that team uh, up to races. And the, the races themselves with the shenanigans that ensue are, are pretty memorable. Yeah. Um, and then definitely uh, being a part of the um, – cyclocross nationals squad my senior year in hartford connecticut um is a a super special memory i um kind of really had this goal to eventually just make a nationals team any nationals team at fort lewis and uh to get on the cyclocross squad was was huge um and to go to that race and be there was was really sweet i think we came away uh second or third place i can't remember that year in the in the team event yeah what uh what is kind of fueled like um your your passion and your goals on the bike um you know since graduating fort lewis i think you said Mm -hmm. 2017 right Mm -hmm. like what what still kind of inspires you on the bike and is you know what kind of leads you to looking at some of these kind of ultra type distances now as you get a little bit older yeah it's it's not really a straightforward answer, but um, I've always just really enjoyed uh, the diversity of cycling, trying different disciplines and riding different bikes and um, different types of events. And yeah, the ultra thing is something I've wanted to give a go for a long time. And the, just the, the distance and the challenge has always been intriguing to me. So um yeah, just just was really excited to to give it a go and just see what happens. Um, but I really enjoyed myself and um, 
kind of getting in that that headspace just being in it for a long haul i really enjoyed that um so yeah i definitely plan on uh taking on some more ultras down the road here i mean how do you kind of prepare for those i mean is it a lot of like thinking about bike packing trips is it a lot of you know big days at high altitude on just like you know random adventures in the mountains like you know how are how do you kind of prepare for something like that I mean, the, the physical preparation on the bike is super important, um, of course, and, and just putting in big days and, um, you know, doing, doing your workouts, do, listening to your coach, things like that, but also just taking the time to be mentally prepared and understand what you're going to put your body through um, is super important. And that's, that's just, you know, um, kind of that whole thought process of, leveling yourself out and understanding where your, your body's at and being really mentally centered, you know? Um, and that, that takes as much time as the physical stuff, in my opinion, you know, once I signed up for the event, it was like that day, it was like starting to think about like, all right, 350 miles, like what's this going to be like? Yeah. And, and, you know, just kind of building, building that mental armor and then reinforcing it with knowing that you've done your job on the bike and being as prepared physically as you can. No doubt. Um, what makes you like, what do you like to do the most on a bike when you're not either directly preparing for a race or in a race? Like, you know, what do you like to do when you're just getting out? Um, I'm a mountain biker day to day. Um, and yeah, just being super playful, um, my background early on in cycling is, um, BMX and downhill. So I kind of try to bring that into everything I do these days and just getting out, riding rough trails, flowing trails, being super playful, um, trying to do some, some stunts or some tricks or whatever it may be. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's really most of the time I'm riding. That's what I'm up to. Um, and yeah, sometimes you incorporate that into a super, super long day on the bike or something, but most of the time it's just, it's just getting out and trying to jump off stuff or go around a corner super fast. Something like that. No doubt. <laughs> you mentioned Chad Cheney a little bit earlier. Did you ever work with him with any of the Devo kids? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we've been working together on a bunch of stuff for a while now. Um, whether it's just coaching and assistant coaching, um, we, kind of co-ran the Devo race program together for a little bit. Um, and he's still running that super strong. Um, but yeah, just being around like his energy and his kind of coaching style is, is funny and awesome at the same time. And, um, you know, it's goes without saying that that plays a huge part in the success that we see young people from Durango having on the bike these days. I love his ability to just kind of do it with anybody too. It's like he took me out last fall for my first mountain bike ride in like five years. Cause I, yeah. I haven't had a mountain bike in, in a few years since my days of living in New Mexico and I was getting out all the time and I moved to Durango, this mountain bike Mecca. And for mm -hmm. some reason I <laughs> didn't have my mountain bike anymore and I haven't had one since, but he gets me all set up at, at second half sports, uh, you know, on a Kona, just, you know, what, what he rides and, I never even been on a bike that had like a, a dropper post before. I'm like, oh, what, what is this changer. technology? Like <laughs> this, this is crazy to me. Yeah. I was like, um, 
But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm huffing and puffing and pushing my bike up the hill, uh, getting into horse gulch, not in bike shape anymore. And, you know, he's just like totally chill, just like hanging out, yeah. showing me, oh, hey, do you notice this rock over here? That's, I remember this from that. Or, yeah. oh, there's this sign that I put up over here this one time. And it's just like, it doesn't matter who you are, or like what kind of fitness level you're at. I mean, you could be a world class cyclist like a, an Amos or a Howard Gratz totally. or you can be you know fat John Livingston pushing your way up <laughs> up horse gulch and he's just gonna have the best time on a bike oh I think yeah it's so fun yeah and it's that attitude all the time and um I think that people draw from that and you know he influences other people's attitude on the bike and you know that's why you see so many happy people around here no doubt riding yeah um how do you make the whole Durango thing work? I mean, you know, any kind of cycling pursuit, there's not a lot of money in it these days no. or maybe it never was. Um, you know, even myself having a steady job at the local newspaper, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, you're looking for places to live, different roommate situations. You know, how have you made the, the Durango thing work since graduating the fort? Yeah. I'm super fortunate to have found myself in a good situation with a career and um something that's sustainable in town um but i mean we're we're always drawing on the support of our community and um i 100 percent would not have that without cycling you know going all the way back to the first time i rode a bike um has has made a difference later in life that i've had this this cycling community to kind of um help support me and and have people to fall back on you know um you're right like money is is not in the sport never has been uh for me which is fine um but to you know have have friends or just people in town that will go out of their way to make sure that you know you you've got what you need to go do a fun bike race or something like that um that's that's key so no doubt well, if you're living with DeVos, that means you yep. must be living next to one of my favorite uh, Durango people, Deborah Van Weingarten. Oh, yeah. You know she's a, yeah, she's a, does an outdoor hiking trails um, kind of like guide type stories right. uh, for the Herald. Does a lot more of them in the summer. I got another sweet one coming out this week. Uh, she's detailing some arches outside Grand Junction that no aren't in Moab for some people, but uh, she's Every time I'm emailing with her, she's saying what fun you guys are having next door. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what, she, what, she's which... the best. Man. <laughs> I, we love her. Yeah. She's always taking care of us and, and chatting us up and just a, a super happy person. So, yeah. Big shout out to, to Deb. But what, what's it like just the, that living environment too, where not only are you guys able to like have that much fun, nice mm. relaxing place to come home, but I mean, yep. you're living with so many people who can inspire each other in different ways too. Yeah. Yeah. So right now the living situation is myself and DeVoust and Levi Kurlander, director for Durango Devo and Henry Nadell, um, obviously another pro mountain biker. Um, and yeah, we do have, have some good fun together um but yeah it's it's just kind of like we're we all have the same interests, but it's diverse at the same time um you know devoust is kind of doing his his big xc thing um hank just got through through school i'm trying to do like ultra races um so it's like same same but different in that aspect uh and then levi you know he's he has his he's a busy down. guy now Working so hard, uh, making Durango Devo run. 
So, um, you know, just seeing the effort that he puts into that and how it pays off in our community is, is awesome. People don't see that behind the scenes. That kind of makes your front yard the Durango Devo headquarters. I know yeah. there was like Levi was talking about he was getting some coaching bags together earlier this year and they got swiped. Yeah, they got swiped. If anyone sees like some Osprey bags that are out of place, yeah, that give, are definitely give for Levi Durango Devo call. coaches. <laughs> yep. Um, but shoot, I, you know, I've been asking a, a few of the cyclists uh, on the show ever since uh, kind of what's going on at the Durango Mesa Park uh, got announced with. The opportunity to build this huge bike park up there and mm-hmm. maybe a, a more permanent headquarters for things like Durango Devo and FLC yeah. Cycling. I mean, we're talking about building a, a bike park on the level of what you see down in Arkansas these days mm-hmm. uh, and trying to really make it as, as a world-class type of venue for cycling. I mean, for you as a cyclist in Durango, um, just kind of what are your thoughts on that bike park and, and what you kind of hope to see it become? It's so exciting. And having spent time in Arkansas and seeing what that infrastructure can do in a community, it it's thrilling that we're going to be able to bring that to Durango. Um, and the thought of having big races, you know, perhaps even a World Cup or a World Championships here at some point, um, you know, that's that's super super cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's going to mean so much for for the cycling community to have just kind of a a venue that um is geared around progression you know we've we have great trails in durango but you know you don't you're not always in the best um beginners aren't always in the best best place around here um and yeah just just to be able to have a space that's geared around that progression in the community and kind of a community center uh is going to be really cool so i'm I'm very excited to see what comes of that. I'm sitting here like if it's the year's 2024 and we've yeah. got Thomas Pitcock and Chris Blevins on the front right? line of a cross country race. It could happen. Yeah. Be wild. It's, it's, it's super exciting to think about. Um, and I don't think we're, we're far off with a venue like that. So yeah, big, big props to, I know Gage Sippy's involved in a multitude of other people. So huge, huge ups to them for um, putting in the time and effort to make that happen. It's going to be amazing. Certainly. All right. A couple quick ones for you before I let you get out of here. Cool. Um, what's next for you? Uh, racing wise, I think I'll be doing mountain bike nationals okay. um, just for fun. I don't do too much of the XCO stuff anymore, but it'll be a fun one to jump into. Especially and, this year with like the high school week, like yeah. right after yeah, it's or right be, before. I can't remember. Be the a big one changed. for the, for the high schoolers and um, a big one for our team. Obviously Ivan's riding so well and Kieran and Guy are riding so well. Um, we're really looking forward to nationals and then, um, Tell you Ride 100 is another sort of local one that's coming up. Um, probably my favorite race. Uh, and then a couple other gravel events later in the year. And then right into cyclocross season Heck yeah. in the fall. Yeah. Are we going to have single speed cyclocross worlds this year or no? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, supposed to be in Durango. We're really excited yeah. about this. I think it was, it was Dylan Stuckey helped us land yeah. that. Yeah, Dylan Stuckey helped us land that. And, um, yeah, obviously everything's just been in flux. So totally. not really sure what the status of that is. but um, Fingers crossed for some shenanigans this yeah, December. Yeah, there will so. be shenanigans at least. So. <laughs> um, all right. What's your favorite trail to go ride in Durango? Um, probably the Jones... Pinkerton Dutch Creek loop in Hermosa. Um, it's 
you know, a little bit of a pedal out of town, but I think that's like the best riding that you can access um, just from town here. What uh, either section of road or trail was uh, like, do you really feel like you maybe fell in love with the bike when you were growing up in Littleton? Um, the thing that made me fall in love with the bike in Littleton was actually like the skate park okay. and the BMX track. Heck yeah. yeah. So um, not too many trails or anything like that in, in Littleton where you got to get in the car and drive to go mountain biking. Um, but yeah, my, my entry into bikes in a general sense was um, BMX bikes and riding on a BMX track and riding at a skate park. You rip up the Schneider skate park still? Dude, I just got a BMX bike uh, for the first time in a long time back in February. Um, and I'm, I'm god awful. I, I don't still have it, um, but it's been super fun to get back out on 20 inch wheels and hit the skate park. Awesome. So, all right. I ask everybody who comes on the show, I've always been kind of a collector of like little random things here and there. And, uh, when I was a kid, it was baseball cars or game mm-hmm. programs or, um, you know, now I've got a kind of a, a cycling Jersey wall of fame going oh, yeah. at, at the Herald where I'm collecting, you know, some jerseys from Durango cyclists. Uh, what is something you've ever collected um, that maybe you still have that uh, maybe has the most significance to you? That's a super good question. Um, I was a quarter collector as a young man. Okay. <laughs> I used to have uh, a coin collection too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know where those are at. I'll have to give my mom a call and see if she's still got the my, my quarter collection in there. Um, but I also have a, a pretty sweet... Um, cycling jersey and skin suit collection going on um you you're in town here and you'll either just come across uh stuff at the thrift store like you know Cheney's always just got random stuff that will end up in your hands things like that um the devo bike swap sometimes i was like saw this year like some of the jerseys there i was like where did this come from yeah yeah so uh, yeah i think uh my favorite one recently is a, a skin suit from sep and i'm waiting for him to come to town and Sign that bad boy. I know. I Hang still on. need so to get I'm my. I'm gonna let him kit. win a t- stage of the tour first, and yeah. then he can sign. <laughs> you want that jersey yeah. too? Um, yeah, I need Sep to get back. I know he's uh, wasn't able to get back last year from Spain because of all, all the stuff going on with the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed that he's gonna be able to make it work sometime totally. this fall after the tour in the Vuelta. Um, we haven't seen Sep in Durango for a while. We're missing that yeah. guy. I know, but it's exciting to watch him on TV. Oh my gosh, so. it's crazy. Yeah, Tour de France coming up here in just a few weeks. Big time. Big time. I'm excited. Um, yeah, Sep, Sep racing for Primo's. And um, yeah, just the after the last year, I think everybody's excited to see huge. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Sam, thanks for, for swinging by. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, always good to chat. And, you know, we got to say thanks to you and everything that you do being such an awesome uh advocate for the cycling community and always reporting and keeping up on everything. Um, I know everybody appreciates it and, um, loves the content that you put out. So thank you. Thanks man. I appreciate it. It's a, it's a honor to work in a town like this where I can stay busy through a pandemic cause you guys right. are all doing cool stuff Heck yeah. and then coming out the other side of it. And it's like, all right, what are they all going to do <laughs> next? So you've kind of kicked it off this year with the, the 350 miles at unbound 357 miles. 357. Um, so I'll be excited to, to keep up with you, the segment 2018 at nationals because nationals are right around the corner. Nationals are right around the corner. Um, keep up with the segment 28 team at team segment 28. 
on Instagram. Uh, yeah. And they can find your kind of full-blown race report uh, that's getting posted on there as well. Yep. I've got a series of race, a uh, series of posts that have like a complete race report attached to them. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast will go out, but we're also doing a Q&A on that page uh, tomorrow evening. So Very good. Yeah. yeah, we'll get it up today. We'll let the people know tomorrow. Check it out. Cool. A live Q&A. Yeah, 6 p.m. Very good. Well, that was Sam Vickery. This has been another episode of the Living Sports Podcast. I'm John Livingston, the sports editor of the Durango Herald. We will catch you all soon with another episode. I know Rotem Ishe, as we mentioned, is hopefully going to be one of our next upcoming guests. Uh, Hopefully we'll lock in a few more of these as the summer goes on. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. Hopefully someday, again, you can check it out on DurangoHerald.com, but new website issues, we're still trying to figure that out. So for now, iTunes and Spotify it is. We'll catch you all soon.